The Biden administration has been busted again. Newly leaked video reveals the federal government is secretly flying plane loads of migrants into states all across the country in the dead of night. The revelation comes as record numbers of migrants continue to cross the southern border, and U.S. Border Patrol agents express their frustration with leadership in Washington. We'll take a look at Biden's latest border betrayal in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. The numbers tell the tale at the border once again. We just went through, in 2021, the worst year ever of illegal border border crossings in this nation's history. And if you look at the most recent month, it's not stopping. December border crossings for the fiscal year 2022, 178,000, 2021, 73,000, 2020, 40,000. You're noticing a very clear pattern here. There is an obvious momentum for these illegal crossings that continues on to this day. Now, if you're wondering what the Biden administration is doing about this, that's a great question. The answer, of course, is really almost nothing because they like it. They don't want illegal immigration to stop. They'd much prefer that illegal immigration continue on because they view this, especially when they start talking about the amnesty, that's just a matter of one or two elections away in their mind, the amnesty that would make millions of likely Democrat voters. These would be illegal aliens who came into the country or given citizenship by the Democrat party and then turn around and vote for Democrats. Oh, that's quite a plan, import your voters, illegally, of course, in the first place. And they'll tell you, the Democrats will, that they have some plan in mind to deal with this illegal flow of migrants, which enriches the cartels, overstretches border patrol, allows for the massive influx of drugs into this country, like fentanyl, which is killing tens of thousands of Americans every year, uh, as well as just the violations of our sovereignty and the American people's right to determine who comes here and who does not. If you think the Biden administration has a plan, no, no, they're really looking at, you know, root causes. Here's Biden yesterday on looking at the root causes of why migrants are coming here. Border security, Gov, we're working a lot with the neighboring countries, a lot to do. There's a lot. I think one of the fundamental things we got to do, in addition to some of the changes we'll make, we don't get into today, but is that if we figure out why they're leaving in the first place, it's not like people sit around and say in, uh, in Guadalajara, I got a great idea. Let's sell everything we have, give it to a coyote, take us across the border, leave us in a desert, in a country doesn't want us, we don't speak the language. Won't that be fun? He's just muttering nonsense. I mean, this guy is absurd. Well, what is this? No, they're coming to America because this is the country that hundreds of millions of people from around the world would come to if they could get here and stay without having to go through our immigration system. We know that, at least tens of millions, perhaps in the hundreds of millions. And it's because, well, we've got a great economy. We've also got a very big welfare state. We give out free health care to people who arrive here. Uh, we give out free schooling to people who arrive here. And increasingly, the Democrat Party is open about how they view America as a country that has a lot to make up for. And that means giving illegals more stuff, of course. Some people are pushing back on all this, though. So there are these night flights that are occurring where you have uh, illegal immigrants being distributed to locations across the country, all paid for by the taxpayer, by the way. That's coming out of your pockets, you at home watching this and they're being distributed in the middle of the night. You wonder why is that when these flights are happening? Well, of course, we all know why, right? 
And here are some pilots at Westchester Airport. This is in New York State, just uh, north of New York City, who the pilots at the airport are asking some of the federal contractors working on this pipeline of illegals into New York. Remember, this is not uh, along the border. What's going on here? Here's some of that leaked, uh, leaked video. Watch. What we don't want to do is attract attention. We don't want the media. Yeah. Like, we don't even know where we're going when they tell us. Yeah. Obviously. I get the whole secrecy and all this but this is even about my Yeah. You know what I mean? And why? You know why? You know why. Yeah, I know, but why? why? Yeah. Come on. No, but uh, what's what's the big secret? Everybody knows it's happening. You know why? Because get out, the government's betraying the American Yeah. Because the government doesn't want people to know. Um, but the government knows. That much we've already established. In fact, there's recent audio leaked as well from a meeting of Customs and Border Patrol officers just from this past Friday, where they were saying they felt like they weren't able to do their jobs because of policy decisions, and they were uh, ashamed of the fact that they weren't able to complete their mission of protecting our border because of decisions being made in D.C., because of the Biden regime's decision to allow this illegal influx to continue to this day. And they know it's going on. There's no surprise here. This is back in uh, January uh, January 22nd, just, just a few days ago. DHS Secretary, uh, Secretary Mayorkas has said that unlawful presence alone, meaning once you're in the country, you're good to go, will not be the basis of an enforcement action. Watch this one. We will not dedicate our limited enforcement resources um, to apprehend uh, individuals uh, who have been here in this country for many years, who've been contributing members of our communities. Unlawful presence in the United States will alone not be a basis for an immigration enforcement action. Ah, uh, so that means if you get here, you get to stay. That means that he's effectively nullifying federal law. How could this be possible? I mean, that's clearly dereliction of duty for the head of the Department of Homeland Security. Does he not know how serious the problem is? Well, actually, here is some leaked audio of Mayorkas. That was actually audio that was out there in public. Here's leaked audio of Mayorka saying that, uh, oh, the border problem's the worst it's been 20 years, maybe ever. Listen. We should have enough personnel to take care of the southern border. And I mean, that's the, that's the solution. And that hasn't been the case. Look, it's worse now <clears throat> than it, frankly, has been in at least 20 years, if not ever. That is not, that is absolutely not the solution. And that's a hardship that you're enduring. Yeah. Worse it's been really ever. And are they upset about this? No, because what's the plan? Amnesty. And then what's the plan? Voting rights. And then of course, Democrats continue to win elections because they violated, they will benefit enormously for violating in a systematic way over years, if not decades, US immigration law. All right, we'll have more on Biden's failed immigration policy with the former acting commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, Mark Morgan, we come back. But now I wanna to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and is offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communication is based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. 
Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, and even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never asks for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is a solution you need to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It only costs $5 for the messenger, $10 for the messenger and email combo package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with Mark Morgan. Stay with us. Biden administration basically shrugged off video from the summer showing migrants being secretly flown to airports nationwide in the middle of the night. You know, no big deal. This is Border Patrol agents tell leadership they're furious at Biden's open border policies and the way migrant releases have completely overwhelmed the men and women working to protect our southern border. Our next guest is former acting CBP commissioner, and he says that the situation at the Department of Homeland Security is continuing to spiral out of control, and Secretary Mayorkas has completely lost the trust and confidence of DHS. Mark Morgan, also Heritage Foundation Visiting Fellow, joins me now to discuss. Mark, I want to get your reaction to what the press secretary said yesterday about how important Border Patrol agents are. Watch this one. The role that uh, Border Patrol agents play um, in uh, ensuring security and safety uh, at our borders is something that there's great value for in this administration. I think the Border Patrol might feel very differently about how this administration treats them and looks at them. What do you think? Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Look, what a, what a joke that is. Was, was this the same press secretary and the president and Secretary Mayorkas that just a, you know, a, a couple of months ago vilified, scapegoated, ruined the reputation of the Border Patrol agents and, and continued to put forth a lie that agents were on the front line whipping illegal aliens? You, you mean that? That president that, that still uh, believes in the Border Patrol? It's a joke. You mean the same uh, DHS secretary and their own chief? That, that while the agents were trying to give them legitimate concerns that they had about what's happened to the southwest border, they, they, they just dismissed them, Buck. You, you, you saw that video. It, it's just absolutely a joke. I mean, I, I think that we not only can surmise this, and I know you've got a lot of people you are in contact with and know the men and women of Border, men and women of border Patrol well, but there was this uh, leaked cell phone video from Friday that I mentioned earlier in the show of Border Patrol agents in uh, Laredo, Texas, who got into a pretty testy exchange with Border, uh, Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz during DHS Secretary Mayorkas' visit. Uh, we wanted to have everyone at home see this, and we'll talk about it. Watch. You're getting bogged down in the policies of the politics. You can't even say illegal alien. What's happening? You can't even say That's illegal. That's why Chief's not left. You just said it. You can't. Is anything going to happen to you? No, you just said it. We can sit here and argue about it till we're blue in the face. Right? I've been doing this job as long as y'all. That's the problem. What's that? That's the problem, Chief. For, for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's I exactly can't hear it. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's exactly what's happening there. Good men are doing nothing. You're allowing the new aliens to drop off communities. You are doing something. No, sir, we're not. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Good men are doing nothing. You're allowing illegal aliens to be dropped off in communities. Mark, looks like the frustration of the folks on the front line of the border are just, it's just boiling over. It is, but what, what a great statement, right? I think we all know that quote. I think what that agent said summarizes not only the frustration, Buck, but actually what's happened in the Southwest border. And look, that, that displayed to me 
I've been doing this for 35 years serving the country. From their chief, that was the worst display of leadership I've ever seen in my 35 years serving this country. Look, he he talked over them. He raised his voice. He interrupted them. He wasn't listening. And then if you listen to the video, he also tells them they're, they're getting caught up in semantics. Look, semantics, and I know you know this well because you do a great job talking about it. You mean the semantics that 100,000 Americans die from drug overdoses because of the open borders? You mean those semantics? Or the two uh, uh, police officers in Texas that were killed just last week, one of them at the hands directly of an illegal alien? You mean those semantics? Look, those border agents, I know them, Buck. When, when they hear about the drug overdoses or the cop being killed by an illegal alien, they feel it, they hurt, and they know that they're not able to reduce that or prevent that because of this administration's open border policies. And what does the secretary and their own chief do? They dismiss them. That's why they have no confidence, no trust. If I was still the commissioner, first thing I'd do is I would relieve uh, Chief Ortiz and then I would have my credentials over to the secretary. Mark, what are the policies? What are the decisions? from this administration that have resulted in the obvious, I mean, the numbers the numbers show us that this is the worst, and even Mayorkas, the DHS chief, has admitted it's the worst it is probably ever, right? Which is quite a statement considering what illegal immigration has been in previous years and, and what uh, Border Patrol has had to deal with now for decades. But what are the key things, I mean, the folks at home, I mean, because you actually know how the system works, how has the Biden administration essentially made decisions that have created the holes in the system that are being exploited so systematically by the illegal migration flow? Like, what are the actual the policy uh, pitfalls? Yeah, so there's been a couple of key ones right out of the gate. Uh, it, one is that they've walled off all the career officials. They, they, so this is being drawn, done by, by the, the, the career political appointees and the ideologues in the administration. So that's the first thing that they've done. The second thing is they immediately rescinded the Remain in Mexico program. Look, one of the biggest loopholes that we have in our immigration system is called the Flores Settlement Agreement, meaning if you come to our border illegally as an unaccompanied minor or family, you cannot detain them for more than 20 days. That's what started what we all know as catch and release. We saw that in 2019. It's what drove the crisis. The Remain in Mexico program closed that loophole down. By February of 2020, that program alone, we saw a 75% reduction in illegal immigration. The other thing that they ended are the unprecedented agreements that we had with all three Northern Triangle countries and the leverage that President Trump uh, uh, put on both Mexico and those three countries to step up and do more, which they did. And the last thing that they've done is this secretary has abolished 90% of ICE's interior enforcement authority. Look, 90% of who they arrest traditionally are criminal aliens. He's, he's basically removed that and criminals now are walking the streets. Unbelievable. You know, GOP lawmakers, just to, on that issue of how does Border Patrol feel, this administration feels about them, we have GOP lawmakers uh, demanding in a letter the release of the report on the alleged whippings. Here's a quote from it. For four months, the Biden administration and your department have gone without even apologizing to the agents that were smeared. To make matters worse, reports now indicate the investigational report DHS was conducting the incident will likely never appear. How, I mean, how, how is that acceptable? I mean, that just feels like a blatant uh, violation of the transparency of the federal government that, that people should be able to count on. Yeah, uh, once again, I, I think you're spot on. Look, I served in the FBI as part of their internal affairs entity, as well as in Customs and Border Protection. Generally, what I would say is 
you, you tend not to release the details of an investigation like that. But this is different. This is completely different because we had from the president of the United States all the way down to the secretary of DHS that openly and publicly on national TV using the bully pulpit from the White House chastised them vilified these agents, already found them to be guilty and they were going to be held accountable. They ruined their reputations and ruined their career. So we're in a different realm. Remember, it was DHS secretary that said, hey, we're going to complete this and be done with this in days. What a joke. I knew it was a lie. And right now, look, it's proven to be uh, true. They're not going to release that because it's going to show that everything that they said was a complete lie. Mark, it doesn't seem like any of this is going to change. If anything, as we have COVID receding and and more international travel likely all over the world, it feels like there might be, well, you tell me, could this be a bigger year for illegal immigration 2022 in the United States than even last year, which was the all time high? Yeah, I, I think it is, and we're already seeing it. Look, in just seven days in January, they already had almost 50,000 apprehensions just in a seven day period. And for, for your viewers right now, let's put it in perspective. There's another misnomer that this administration is trying to tell you, like somehow this is just a problem with Mexico, the Northern Triangle countries. That's a lie. But because of their open border policies, they send a message to the entire world. Last year, they actually had more illegal aliens breaking our country than from Mexico or the Northern Triangle countries. They border to apprehended uh, illegal aliens from 150 different countries. Yeah, Mr. President, Good luck trying to figure out the root causes and stop them and deal with 150 different countries. Again, another lie and a complete joke. Mark, look, really appreciate the expertise on this one. We'll have you back to talk about it again because this problem's not going away. Thanks for your time today. You bet, thanks. It's day four of the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa and the left continues its efforts to smear the protesting truckers as a bunch of racists. What can we actually learn from the men and women who are literally taking to the streets right now in their trucks? Author and columnist David Marcus answered that when we come back. But let's talk about the stock market for a second. It's very volatile right now. One of the few people who predicted the 2020 crash is warning that something really big is coming in 2022. His name is Mark Chaikin, and his newest prediction has gone viral with 1.5 million views. I've met Mark personally. He's a 50-year veteran of Wall Street. He's a very smart guy. So I'm encouraging you to pay attention to this message. According to Chaikin, a historic event in 2022 will cause a massive shift in the wealth divide, and it's going to affect anyone who owns stocks. He's predicting that a new form of technology is going to disrupt everything and could change the way thousands of companies need to do business in 2022. It'll affect everyone from Apple to Amazon. This is what he's saying. Watch his full brand new warning free of charge by going online to 2022stockmarketmessage.com. That website again is 2022stockmarketmessage.com, all one word, 2022stockmarketmessage.com. We'll be right back with David Marcus. It's day four of the Ottawa trucker rally, and while Prime Minister Trudeau is in hiding, positive for Omicron, negative for testosterone, Thousands continue to brave an extreme cold warning to join the truck drivers who've come to Parliament Hill from all over Canada. Some say they won't leave until lawmakers remove restrictions or until Trudeau resigns. Joining now is columnist and author of Charade, the COVID lies that crushed a nation, David Marcus. David, love the title of the book, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Buck. So let's discuss here for a second. Uh, you have truckers who are blue collar workers, who are taking to the streets in their trucks in a form of political protest. 
And the entirety of the Democrat left, both in this country and then the equivalent of it in Canada, is essentially spitting on them, defaming them, and trying to undermine them all the time. I guess Workers of the World Unite isn't something they stick with all the time. No, I mean, especially workers who aren't part of public sector unions. I mean, there's a couple things going on here. This is clearly really compelling in part because truckers are kind of compelling. You know, I mean, these are these are people who really base their lives around freedom. They, they spend a lot of time, you know, sort of by themselves in their own heads. They they don't tend to make a lot of demands. This is a little bit like when the quiet person in your family starts yelling. Uh, you know, you, you realize something's going on. And also, they have a lot of power uh, right now, especially in the middle of a, of a supply chain crisis. We've seen government can shut down offices, they can shut down restaurants or schools. You can't shut down trucking because then people don't eat. Uh, so these are people with a lot of leverage. Um, these are people with, with a, a, a compelling megaphone. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's why it's gaining so much traction. You wrote in a Fox op-ed about this, Quote, what is most telling about the reaction of the protests is the disdain being shown to these truckers by their own government and many in the media. Prime Minister Trudeau has dismissed the effort, apparently gone into hiding as the big rigs surround the capital of Ottawa. He claimed that these men and women hold unacceptable views, heaven forbid. Isn't, isn't this remarkable that they really think after the massive failure of Fauciism here in America and around the world, this notion that the government, if it only restricts uh, citizens more, if it masks them and vaxes them and separates them and locks them down, will stop the virus. They failed catastrophically. But people that want that madness to end now that we've had to suffer through the failure, we're told by people like Justin Trudeau, that's an unacceptable view. Wow. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's the giveaway, right? Trudeau's not dealing with any of the substantive issues that are being raised by the truckers because he can't, right? The best that he can do is say this is unacceptable or try to, you know, ridiculously paint them as white supremacists or something. Um, he has no actual argument to make, and it's it, why he's refusing to engage. The problem he has is that unlike so many urban dwellers who are utterly dependent upon the government, uh, these people aren't. Uh, and so it, it's unclear uh, what he's going to be able to do to, to force them to do things that they don't want to do. Uh, you also wrote in your piece, by the way, Trudeau and so many leftists in Canada, the United States, for them, it's not really COVID they're worried about. It's the idea that some people, specifically people who work for a living and aren't slaves to their handouts, have the audacity not only to disagree with them, but also to ignore them. It really does feel like uh, at various times in the whole COVID lockdown authoritarian fiasco, David, that the, the biggest, uh, the, the thing that upsets the apparatus, if you will, the most, isn't that people are in greater danger because they refuse. It's the very notion that they think, and clearly these truckers in Canada do, that they have a right to refuse. Yeah, no, I mean, that's absolutely right. I mean, I, mean, I think what we've seen throughout COVID, at least once we got a couple weeks or months into it, um, was that elements on the left, and, and unfortunately, I think this includes a lot of the Democratic Party and clearly Justin Trudeau, uh, really saw this as an opportunity to exert an enormous amount of control uh, over the the American people, the people of the West, um, and and it's really a shame be, because it was it was absolute mission creep, and we're dealing with the consequences of it now. And it's nice to see the truckers stand up and say, uh, "No, we're not going to have this." Here is uh, the other side of this equation, of course, Justin Trudeau who I, I really do believe just watching clips of him on television 
can raise male estrogen levels. I, I, I'm not sure what the science is on that, but I, I, I think I would place a bet that it does. Here he is condemning the convoy protesting the pandemic while he's, of course, praising healthcare workers. Watch this. And to Canadians at home, watching in disgust and disbelief at this behavior, wondering how this could have happened in our nation's capital after everything we've been through together. This is not the story of our pandemic. Healthcare heroes who've saved countless lives and continue to do so. We know you're tired, and yet you do not stop. You are the story of this pandemic, not the convoy. I do feel like if MSNBC created a politician in a lab, um, he would have all the key characteristics. Uh, smarmy, disingenuous, vain, beta male, uh, announces pronouns unnecessarily. I feel like Justin Trudeau is the American left's perfect politician. Yeah, and, and not for nothing. I, I mean, as much credit as Trudeau and Biden want to take for the fact that hundreds of millions of people have taken Trump vaccine, um, they didn't do that. Truckers did that, right? How did the vaccines get to all of these places where people were able to get them in their arms? Uh, it's because truckers, before there was a vaccine, did their job right. and got the vaccines out. So, I mean, for these guys to say, oh, it's the healthcare workers, well, sure, it's the healthcare workers too, but um, this is this is ridiculous. And, and Trudeau just looks like a fool, uh, suggesting that people are disgusted by the, the, the truckers. It's, it's absurd. Jordan Peterson had a message to Canadian conservative leaders, wanted to let everyone at home, you know, Jordan's a well-known public intellectual Canadian public intellectual who makes the rounds in the U.S. all over the world, too. Here's what he said. Our prime minister has literally abandoned the city, run away, as far as I can tell, citing security concerns because I think he believes his own propaganda about the nature of the people who are sitting in Ottawa and then lying about it, justifying it as a consequence of being exposed to COVID, despite the fact he's double vaccinated and tested negative. You're not going to get a better opportunity. This is your moment, conservatives in Canada. Reassure Canadians. Remove these mandates that are crippling our businesses and interfering with our private lives and stopping us from being able to travel. Seize the day. Seize the day, he says. And I have to say, where are the American efforts similar to this one, David? It's, it's pretty disappointing. The land of the free, the home of the brave. During the pandemic, about half the country has decided they want to be the land of the cowards and the home of the wimps. Well, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today, and, and I will say, I, I think that federalism, um, one of the, I don't even know if I'd call it a downside, but because of federalism, we have wide swaths of the American people who really haven't been living under extreme restrictions most famously in places like Florida and Texas, but also in huge swaths of the heartland that don't get as much attention because it's not as much of a political story. So I, I think had you seen the way you see in parliamentary English-speaking democracies, just national mandates and rules, you would have seen more of a national response from the American people. But um, you know, I don't think people in Tallahassee are, are, are gonna get all up in arms that people in New York can't go to a movie theater. Uh, and I think people in New York are kind of accustomed to having a little less freedom to begin with. So I, I think there are some complicated reasons why we haven't seen enormous national 
protests, though we have seen it at, at various places during various points in the pandemic. David, thanks for being with us. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. We all know that colleges and universities have become bastions for left-wing indoctrination, stretching back for decades. But just wait until you see some of the courses the University of Chicago is offering to students these days. Here's a preview. Trans bodies in horror cinema. That's a real thing. Contributor to the Federalist, Evita Duffy, has more details when we come back. But right now, let's talk about protecting the most valuable asset you own, your home. You have homeowner's insurance for a good reason. Without it, fire, flood, or burglary could destroy you financially. There's another major crime your homeowner's policy doesn't cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes that it can ruin you financially, which is why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home, leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit the fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way into your home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Enter RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. American universities are a breeding ground for far-left ideology and intellectual intolerance, but what exactly are they teaching in the halls of hallowed academia these days? Well, Vita Duffy knows a thing or two about this. She wrote an opinion piece in the Chicago Thinker cataloging some of the ridiculous courses being offered to students at her own University of Chicago. Check some of these out. Marxism, anarchism, and the black radical tradition. Witchcraft and the cultural imagination. That actually sounds kind of cool. Trans bodies in horror cinema. The problem of whiteness, because of course, transnational queer politics and practices. That sounds interesting. Joining me now is a contributor at The Federalist and co-founder of the Chicago thinker, Evita Duffy. Evita, great to see you. Thanks for having me. So you're a Chicago student. This seems like some pretty wacko stuff. Tell us more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So these are just average courses that I came across while I was looking for what classes I was going to take this quarter at the University of Chicago. And what I wrote about in my article is, is actually that these kind of courses are so prevalent. I, I can find them just by, you know, clicking on any any department and, and you know, searching and they're, they're there. I mean, this was just a sample of many others. But what I what I found is that I what I couldn't find was a conservative course, you know, something that seems to stand out as a as, you know, a politically right course to take. But the left ones are always there. And so I'm actually OK if you want to talk, teach a class about queer politics or or witchcraft but let's have some diversity when it comes to their course selections and they don't have that kind of diversity and i think that is a disservice to the, to the students and it's also a disservice to the, to the united states because in the end these are the people that are going to be going off into the real world and running our country and they are only given one perspective in college and so now it's turned into not no longer an education but actually indoctrination and that should worry everybody you wrote in the Chicago Thinker, while it is demoralizing for, uh, for conservative students to never have our views and ideas discussed, much less validated, we at least have the advantage of constantly being intellectually challenged. By indoctrinating and coddling young people, American universities are breeding intolerance. We're already seeing the effects of this indoctrination. Young leftists have disavowed our founding documents and fathers, and they censor, fire, harass, and publicly slander anyone who dares to think differently from them. 
Uh, Vita, I can tell you this from my own days at Amherst College, uh, where I was part of the College Republicans, you can imagine how that went for me. Uh, this is certainly the case. I mean, on the one hand, you have conservatives who go through the college process and feel like they are forged in the fire of constant opposition to their ideas. A lot of lib college students get through four years, they've never had to make an actual argument. It's pretty remarkable. And then they get into you know adult life and they want to deplatform and censor and shut everybody down who doesn't agree with them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely right. I mean, I write in the article, they're coddling American minds. I mean, conservative students have to defend ourselves every single day in the classroom. We are the minority. We are constantly having our perspectives and views challenged. Leftist students, they can fill their course schedule with any class, almost any class they want, and it'll you know it'll reinforce whatever worldview that they had going into it, um, and that's why when they get into the real world, they're so intellectually intolerant that they can't handle alternate perspectives because they were never even exposed to them. Um, so you're absolutely right; they're 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 shuttering down uh, speakers at college campuses, and they're going into the real world, uh, and they're censoring people, and they're the ones who are running big tech. They're the reason why we have people uh, getting kicked off of Twitter and Facebook, and it is very frightening. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable, Evita, as well. I mean, I, I'm just wondering if you've, have you ever tried to take one of these, like I took the American right as a sociology class when I was an undergrad, just so I could see what the psycho libs say about the right. And it was it was just fantastic. I mean, they the caricatures, the absurdity, the lack of intellectual rigor in the entire class, the whole thing made me feel so much better about being conservative because I realized that the leftist professor and all the students other than me in the class uh, were completely out of their minds. Are you going to take um, you know, trans politics of the mid 20th century or whatever they're offering there? I mean, is, is that, are you ever think about it just to sort of see what it's like? I don't have to think about it. I already have to take these classes. It doesn't matter, you know, by the course title that might be an outrageous one like queer politics, but even the ones that seem, you know, sort of benign end up actually being quite leftist. It, so I took a class about the American Revolution and that had its bent to it, um, to the left. So it's really administrative and, and that where all this indoctrination comes from because you have students who are already coming in and they tend to lean left as young people do, but they're completely emboldened by the university administration. I mean, they, they come out with, they first of all, they offer these classes, but second of all, they also come out with these uh, really hyper political statements. So during the BLM writing, um, we had the provost and the president trying to weigh in on politics and, and cases that hadn't even been decided yet, like the George Floyd case. So they are, they are putting their own perspective onto the college students and they are creating a hierarchy of political opinions. And that it's, it's obvious that they are not really interested in an authentic intellectual exploration anymore. And it's really sad. Staying on the topic of education, but moving from university and campus life down to elementary schools, you know, kids are still being forced in about half the country, which is remarkable, to wear masks in school for eight hours a day by uh, lunatic left-wing teachers and administrators. Here's a Virginia mother saying that her son was ridiculed, physically separated, and taunted for not wearing a mask. Watch. She says unmasked students are physically separated from other students and taunted in school and on social media. Very discriminated against and segregated and humiliated and isolated and all of the all of the bullying terms that you can imagine. I mean, he came home really beaten down. 
You know, Evita, the data, I just spoke to a data scientist today who's published in the Atlantic with a number of other uh, epidemiologists and statisticians who looked at every single place where they could look at masked versus unmasked schools, uh, districts side by side. None of it supports mask mandates in schools, but we still have adults who think this is virtuous. Why? You know, I, I don't know, and it's so it's so confusing to me because this the people who are pushing these discriminatory policies and separating children from vax and unvax, forcing them to wear masks if they're unvaccinated, making them eat alone in the lunchrooms. I mean, that's happening at college campuses even, so in the dining halls. Um, these are that's coming from people who say one, my body, my choice, right? Um, which is interesting, but also people who say, you know, we believe in tolerance. We want everybody to be accepted and feel welcome. And at the same time, they're pushing these super discriminatory, horrible policies on young people. And I think one, it's it's deeply hypocritical, but two, it's sending a very, very disturbing message to, to people K through college. Agreed. Avita, always good to see you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. CNN's Brian Stelter can't seem to figure out why a lot of Americans trust Joe Rogan more than CNN. Pretty obvious, right? Got a few thoughts on that in quick hits. Stay with us. Donna Brazil says that even though Biden's at 30% support in the polls, he's doing a great job as president. Everything right. And Brian Stelter uh, wonders why people don't trust CNN. Hmm. No stories in quick hits. Let's get to it. Let's start with the Stelter one. Brad Stelter is a very talented TV show host, but nobody watches him and nobody trusts him. Why is that? Why is it that anyone watches this guy and says, hold on, first of all, the fact he has a TV show is hilarious. Second of all, CNN went through a self-immolation of credibility for four years under the Trump presidency by pretending the Russia collusion lie was somehow reality. And now they're wondering why alternative sources of news analysis and information like the massively popular Joe Rogan podcast are more trusted by even CNN's own target audience than, than had ever been the case before, uh, than CNN is. Well, here's Brian Stelter wondering about this one and saying it's a, it's a big problem that the people have thoughts about how CNN's a bunch of commie liars. Watch. The narrative is, I wanna show all kinds of opinions which sounds great, but not all opinions are created equal. You think about major newsrooms like CNN that have health departments and deaths and operations that work hard on verified information on COVID-19. And then you have talk show stars like Joe Rogan who just wing it, who make it up as they go along. And because figures like Rogan are trusted by people that don't trust real newsrooms, we have a tension, a problem that's much bigger than Spotify, much bigger than any single platform, Kate. But that's what the, is the heart of this right now. Yeah, but you're right. It is getting at something bigger that isn't going to be solved in one Joe Rogan video or one statement from Spotify. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, how do we just continue to censor our political opponents all the time, but not actually have people realize that's what we're doing because we're shutting down debate because we can't actually win those debates? That's a big challenge for them, I'm sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going to end with Joe Rogan. There are a lot of other people, a lot of other places that go against the consensus, but they're trying to send a message, send a message to everybody. The Biden uh, regime is sending a message. They stink. They're not good at this whole thing of running the country, that's for sure. Um, I think that's pretty clear based on reality and the polls and just anybody who has access to the internet or a decent newspaper subscription so they can just see the basics of what's going on. Joe Biden is bad at this. But people are going to get deployed out there in the media to say, oh, he's doing a great job. Here's Donna Brazil, longtime Democrat strategist, 
who's saying Biden's done everything exactly right. Watch. You know, Joe Biden's number one priority is the health, safety, and well-being of the American people, which means crime prevention, which means jobs creation, which means making sure that we can go home to safe neighborhoods and have clean drinking water. He's a good president. He might be at 40% or 30%, but you know what? He's doing everything right. Doing everything right. Must be nice. Must be nice to live in that delusion as a Democrat. But then again, if you're paid to go on TV and defend Democrats, I guess that's what you do. Ron DeSantis doesn't take doesn't take crap from reporters. I think we could say that. It's nice. The governor of Florida knows when they're setting an ambush for him. And instead of allowing them to put him on defense, is what usually happens to Republicans in the situation, Ronnie D goes on offense. Watch this one. So what I'm going to say is these people, uh, these Democrats who are trying to use this as some type of political issue to try to smear me as if I had something uh, to do with it, we're not playing their game. You know, some jackasses, you know, doing this on the street. First of all, state law enforcement is going to hold them accountable because they were doing stuff on the overpass. Uh, so we're so they're absolutely going to do that and they should do that. Uh, but I'm not going to have people try to smear me that belong to a political party that has elevated anti-Semites to the halls of Congress like Ilhan Omar, that have played footsie with the BDS movement, that even have people in their party that have cavorted with Farrakhan. Indeed. That's how it's done, Republicans take note. That's the way to get it done. Don't let the lib media come after you, set the ambush and let them get their way. Go with the DeSantis approach offense. As ever, tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.